We're just so grateful to be here and to be able to, to minister the word today. And uh, Pastor Lee is, is ministering. And I, I know he was in Tennessee this week and he's somewhere else this morning. And I cannot remember where at the moment. But we want to lift him up in prayer. And um, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege to give, Lord God. You've given us so much, Lord. And just pray today, God, that you'd bless this offering, God, as we give, Lord. We pray for Pastor Lee, God, that you just continue to anoint him and use him, I pray, God. And Lord, for this service, God, that, Lord, you would just speak to us. Lord, we leave here different because, Lord, you have, you have, God, done a work in our hearts and lives, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, sorry, I don't know the announcements, so I get out of it today because I don't know them. <laughs> I want to, I wanna, the text is going to be Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Amen. I, uh. The messages on the kingdom and the love of Christ have affected me. Has it affected you? The messages of the kingdom and the love of Jesus Christ. Says, I, I don't know why. I guess I realize that I, I don't understand the kingdom. I, I, maybe I'm too much American, too much democracy. And it's just really affected me to understand that the word of God talks so much about the kingdom. And, it's a, you know, I, I think of scriptures even where Abraham, he says... Um, he was, he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He was a sojourner in this, in this world. And I guess also the kingdom of thinking of the king. You know, we don't have a king. We don't, we're democracy. But, you know, the word of God is not democracy. I think that's why sometimes there's so much confusion in the church and so much problems as we think the church is democracy. The church is not democracy. Who knew that? The, the, church, the church is theocracy. Theocracy, not democracy. You say amen. That's the truth. It's theocracy. What was that? It's God. God is the ruler. He is the king of the church. And uh, the way he has set up the church is so different from our, our democracy thinking that it's a, it's a matter of the people rule. But no, it's God rules. Amen. That's the way he designed it. And, and I, I guess as I understand the kingdom, the way it affects me is that I think of Sometimes I get too involved in this world, but this world is not my home. And I, and I forget that I am laying up treasures in heaven. And that really, there's a, there's a kingdom that's going to be eternal. I, for some reason, you know, you always think of heaven. People do like, you're just going to be up there playing harps all. But no, there's going to be commerce. The Bible says there's a city. Well, when you have a city, you have commerce. There's streets. If you have streets, there's something. There, it's going to be different by far than what we think. If we're laying up treasures in heaven, then there's some point of treasures there. Isn't that right? And so, so I, I, I think that many times we get caught up into this world and we, we forget the most important thing is this life is a breath. But eternity is the kingdom. Eternity is what really matters. And what we do with our life now is an investment into the kingdom. That's why Apostle Paul could go off, go through all, because the disciples and all they went through is because they're, their focus, their heart, their thought was on the kingdom. They were building the kingdom of God. And the greatest king is the most righteous king that we have, King Jesus. And so, and now let, me, let me read my text here. Let's read it with me if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. It says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto me, unto my voice. For they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. 
And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. So then, as you read down, he, he put his hand in his bosom, and it became leprous. He took it, and he put it back, and it became clean. And he goes, and in verse 10, it says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent, neither therefore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, It's not Aaron the Levite, thy brother. I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what ye shall do. And then in verse 20, it says, And Moses took his wife and his sons and sent them, set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. I, this, the, the, the title is, What is in thine hand? Maybe Moses, what is in thine hand? And that was kind of a, as, this, as I begin to prepare this, that's what kind of stuck out to me. And if you back up a little bit in chapter 3 to kind of understand what's going on here. So you know the story well. And the, uh, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, the incarnate Christ, and a flame of fire out of a bush that never stopped burning. And so Moses, he stopped, and he went to the bush, and he said, remove your shoes, for where you stand is holy ground. And as God appeared to him, and, and, uh, and, and, he, and he's told Moses, he's going to lead, you're going to lead the people out of bond. He's going to lead them out of Egypt. And in chapter 3, it, it gets all the discourse and I, uh, of, of all that God's calling Moses to do and what's going to happen. And then, so then in verse 4, chapter 4, Moses gets a chance to respond back to God. And his response is, he says, Lord, he goes, and the Lord said to Moses, what did Moses answer? He said, but behold, they will not believe me. So I, I guess... As I begin to think of this, how many times, I even think of my own life. You know, when I, when I was little, my, there was three of us, a sister a year older, a sister a year younger, actually 11 months and something. And, we, and, and, and my cousin, none of us could say our R's. I think of Moses, and it says, that some say maybe he stuttered, maybe he had a speech impediment of some type. I, I'm not sure. But he, but he wasn't a good speaker. And, uh, it, but... I think of my own life. I couldn't say my R's until I was in fifth grade, and I would go to speech class. It's amazing. I remember weird things. Like, I remember the teacher's name, Mrs. Payne. I remember she was beautiful, and I was, like, so crushed on it. I had such a crush. I was so in love with Mrs. Payne. She was, like, 25, and I was in fifth grade, whatever it was, whatever age you are in fifth grade. But I, I, I really liked speech class, and so uh, we get out of regular class. But I, I remember as a kid on the bus, you know, you get made fun of a lot when you— when, you, when you, you sound like Elmer Thud, you know. And so I'd be on the bus, they'd say, Joe, say, say Burr Rabbit, say Burr Rabbit. I'd go, Burr Rabbit. Oh, they'd roll on the floor, Burr Rabbit, you know, and I, could, I couldn't say my R's. And so it, 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 it affects you in a lot of ways. So here's a kid that in my, see what year would they have been in the 70s? I 
long hair was in, and my dad made me wear a flat top. You know, we cut. So here I'm a kid with no hair. All the other kids have hair down to their shoulders, and I sound like Elmer. You know, all I needed was a little gun and say, you dirty wabbit, you know, and I'd fit right in. God does those things sometimes to keep you humble, to make you humble. Uh, so I, I guess I really relate to Moses in this story. You know, a lot of times people are so hard on Moses, you know, and they say, well, Moses, here, God appears to you in a burning bush, you know. How come you don't respond and say, yes, Lord, but no, you want to argue with God? Well, Moses had a had problem speaking. You know, you never believe I'd be a preacher today. And, and thank God for speech class. And I learned how to say my R's. And I, I learned how to overcome the hillbilly accent somewhat. And so, but, but God can, he can take, he, he likes to take the, the base things of this world and use them, doesn't he? And that's kind of the whole point of this. Moses, what is in your hand? And I guess it's the, the thought of this whole thing was that sometimes we think that God's maybe called us to do something glorious or maybe in Moses' case called us to do nothing. But God uses what's in your hand. That's the whole, as I get this message, Moses, what is in your hand? He obviously used him to speak as well through Aaron, but maybe he wanted to heal him of his speech problem or whatever it was that he had. Uh, but Moses had trouble at that point. So Mo- Moses was a great man at one time, we know, in, in, in man's eyes. He was Pharaoh's adopted grandson. History says he was a great general, and uh, he, he, did, he did great feats and so on. And uh, so from the time he was age 40, though, till he's 80, he, he lived on the backside of a desert. And uh, he... Uh, you know, I think of people when, as far as God wanting to use them in their lives, there's, and I've been on both ends maybe. One side is they think they're going to be so great and be used by God. I remember when I was in Bible college, I, I, I thought I was going to be another Billy Graham. I, I really, I just, I could just, I just knew I was going to be preaching the crusades and seeing millions come to Christ. And I remember the, my pa- the pastor's wife one day, she said, Joe, do you think ministry is, is, is a bunch of, uh, what is she, the word here? She said, it's some kind of glorious, wonderful thing. And I, I go, no, but actually I did. You know, <laughs> that's what I thought. And she's like, no, ministry is just serving and laying down your life. But then you got the, the other side. So the other side of this is Moses. He was like, I'm no good. I'm a failure. He was a failure, wasn't he? I'm no good here. I, I can't be used to God. I've failed way too many times. It's amazing when you're young, you think sometimes you can do anything. When you're, when you're older, you think you can't do nothing because of all your failures. So I've been on both sides of that. I've, I've lived up where I've been such a failure. I'm like, God, how can you use a failure? So Moses really encourages me here. He's 80. And yet God's going to use him. He's going to start his ministry at 80. Do we understand that here today? At 80 years old, he's starting his ministry. I, I, there's, a, there's a lady in, uh, is it Kankton? Kington, Louisiana, Sister Dula Trahan. You know, she was Cajun. They don't get any more Cajun than, 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 than Dula. She's a woman of God, and she was married to a wicked drunk. And, and he abused her. He wouldn't let her go to church. But she would pray and cry out to God for salvation. And at age, when she was 60 years old, he died. And God spoke to her, and he said, Dula, get, get you a plane ticket and, and go to Haiti. She got a plane ticket. She went to Haiti. She got off the plane, and a lady comes up to her and says, Are you the one God has sent us? Something to that effect. I may not have the word exactly right. And she said, I, I don't know. I guess so. God told me to come here. 
She goes, well, come with me and I'll show you, uh, I'll show you what, what we're needing. She comes and she says, we're needing an orphanage built. We're needing someone to, build, to, to reach these kids. He showed her all these kids without, without parents and homes. And so she began to build an orphanage. And so at age 60, she'd fly back and forth. She'd bring clothes. She'd get support. She, and she built this orphanage. And, and for 20 years, they, they had hundreds of kids come through this orphanage. And she, she gave the stats at one time of 20, 30 pastors. And they went up into the hill country. They began to build, start churches. And that God used this little orphanage. And, and uh, at 80 years old, she died. But for 20 years, in the latter part of her life, is when she started this ministry and how that God used her mightily. And I... I, I, I don't know. The whole, as I read this story, I see God doesn't care about age. God doesn't care about speech. God doesn't really care about your great abilities. All he cares about is what's in your hand. What has he given you? So chapter 3, God has this discussion. God tells him how he's going to use him and lead his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, Moses gives all, he gives all the reasons why he's not the man. And, 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 and yet he says, tell him I am that I am. So then we come to the part of the discord with Moses and God here. And, he, and I, I guess I wanna, just want to talk about our part as believers in the building of the kingdom instead of our own kingdom. At, at, at any age, the direction is what is in your hand. And he says, I, you know, I'm not a preacher. Maybe you can say, I'm not a preacher. I, uh, my phone keeps, keeps vibrating on me. So I got to, it keeps trying to ring. So you, maybe you say, I'm not a preacher. I'm too old. I'm too busy. I'm not good with people. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not good at pushing myself. I'm kind of complacent. I'm not good at stepping out of my comfort zone. But it's interesting, God did not ask Moses at this point, the first thing he asked of him was, what is in your hand? Sometimes we, we think God's going to call us to be, if we, if we really submit to God and say, God, use me, he's going to call us to go to Haiti like he did Sister Dula. But in, in this case, he said, Moses, what's in your hand and what, what was in his hand? We're going to talk about that here in just a second, but there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes 11. I really never understood this in the past until recently, and Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, the place in where the tree falleth, there it shall be. That didn't make a bit of sense to me in the past. Not totally now, but he that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds will not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike." And the, the, the picture of the tree is that, that, that as, I, as I read this, is that maybe you are on a certain road. I think I said this before. Maybe you're on a certain road, and, and uh, that, that, that road is where you believe God had called you to be, and you got off. You know, I, I told you, I've been lost many times. You know, I've been lost in the Mark Twain National Forest. I've been, and, and when you're on the road every day, I've been, I've been lost on the road. 
uh, not knowing where I'm at. It's before GPS, and now you can't, you can't, unless your GPS goes down, it's hard to get lost today, but, but, but then ago, you had to try to find things through maps, and you take the wrong turn, you didn't know where you were, and, and sometimes you had to try to figure out how to get back, sometimes you had to go all the way back to the point where you got lost to get back on track, Many times we think that's the way it is with God. When we got off, Moses had got off. He thought God had called him to, to rescue the people 40 years ago. Now his life is over, 40 years on the backside of a desert. How can God use me now? So, but God did not make Moses go back to where he started. God will use us where we're at and take us from where, wherever the tree falls, that's where it falls. That's where he will take you and he will use you from that point. Maybe you failed in the past and you're going to keep failing at times. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then shall we know even as also we are known. We're going to fail. Uh, it's interesting. The people that don't fail are people that don't do anything. You know? People that get shot at the most are those that are at the top of the mountain somewhere. Those that are doing something. Well, anyhow, God even told Peter, he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I, I don't know if it's Felix sometime out. He, he brought something out. It just really, I always thought of, I never understood the gates of hell, meaning that a gate keeps something in. <laughs> I, you think of the gates of hell being something that attacks us. No, we're attacking the gates of hell. <laughs> it, it's the opposite of what I thought, that we're, we're breaking down the gates of hell. We're, we're on the offensive, not the defensive with the gate. Building is work. When I was involved at a place for the past 13 years, a dark time for me, but part of what they did is they did lots of building. They would just build, build, build. I, I did some, I, I'm not a carpenter, I do things, but I, I learned how to build. We, we built an unbelievable amount of stuff. And I learned, you know, I learned how to do framework, learned how to use a frame gun, learned how to hang drywall, learned how to run plumbing, learned how to run electrical, learned, learned how to do all this building. Well, one thing I learned real quick about building I learned that it's work. It's hard work. If you're framing, it's hard work. You're up there roofing. Oh, I, now when I go by and I see them roofing a 90 degree temperature, I always say, I'm not worthy. <laughs> you know, if you've ever tried to roof, you know, that is work up there, staying on those roofs and going up. And so building is work. Well, building the kingdom of God is work. It's not for the lazy. It's not for the weak of heart. You know, even this, you know, the Bible talks about really it's only two types of what I would call fighting. One is it called we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a wrestling against what? Principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. And then a second time it talks about fight the good fight of what? Faith. Really, there's kind of expression of two different types of fighting. The good fight. Believing he did it at the cross of Calvary. The fight of faith is not trusting in yourself. And, and as I began to study this rod or the staff, I, you know, I, as I studied, I really was unclear whether it was the rod and the staff were the same. Maybe you all can do a study and help clarify that for me, but I've read different things. Or the rod and the staff was two different things, that the shepherd carried a rod and he carried a staff. One said it was two different things. I've read somewhere where it was the same. Uh, the, one, the, the staff has the, the hook on it used to, to rescue the sheep and so on. The rod used to beat off animals, you know. Uh, maybe it was both. He used one end to beat to beat off the the animals, uh, and one says the rod was used to count the sheep, to separate the sheep. But uh, as I begin to read this, what did it mean to to him to have a rod? Now we don't have rods, you know, we don't understand that, and 
Even when I farmed, I didn't use a rod. I wish I would have had a gun a few times with those pigs, but I did not. But, you know, I don't understand, I don't understand sheep farming and all that stuff. I know that sheep aren't dumb. The Bible never says they're dumb. It says that as, as a sheep, maybe it says the scripture in Isaiah talks about dumb in the sense of unable to speak. But they're not dumb. They're very smart animals. They're herd animals. They follow, which is good in the sense if they follow the right, the right person, the shepherd. But I want to talk about, they will not believe me. He doubted God can use me. God appeared to him in a burning bush, yet he doubted. He had too many failures, too many regrets. Maybe you say, I've had too many failures, too many regrets. I've failed God too many times. I've sinned. I've gotten off. I've forsaken him. I've been unfaithful. Maybe you just simply say, you know, God can't use me. I don't have any great skills. How can I really help in the kingdom? And Moses definitely felt that way. He was a sheep herder now. Whatever he did before that was so important now meant nothing. There's a little, there's a little place you can go called study.com. And in there it had some interesting things about the different phases in our life. I just, I got to read this to you. So from age 18 to 22, you leave home, establish independence, making decisions about careers and education. 22 to 28, you solidify goals and decide on career and marriage. 28 to 33, period of reflection and reevaluation, relationships and career. Settling down, 33 to 40, people become more involved with community and invested into family. Midlife transitions, 40 to 45. Sometimes people have sudden changes we call midlife crisis. Uh, Mid-adulthood, 45 to 50, make decisions based upon reflection. Late adulthood, 60 and up, they call it the stable period and the transition period. I thought that was interesting for for. An 80-year-old here, it should have been his transition period. Well, he made a transition, all right, didn't he? (laughs) Leaving the desert to go lead his people out. Every believer in God's kingdom has something in their hand. And Moses had this rod in his hand, and I I guess maybe he depended upon that rod. He... I don't know. He, 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 it doesn't say, he doesn't say he had a staff in his hand. Maybe it was a staff. Maybe he called it a rod because maybe he saw the burning bush and he thought maybe it was a thread and he approached it, approached it with the rod. I, I don't know for sure. But I, I often wonder if the thing that was in his hand, he didn't depend upon it. He, those 40 years he'd been depending upon that rod to defend him, depending upon that rod to count his sheep, to do what he's supposed to do. Maybe he had put his trust in that rod that was in his hand. And, and maybe, maybe, whatever, maybe whatever in your life you put trust and faith into whatever gift you have. Maybe you, maybe you depend upon yourself too much. What is in your hand? I have to think, well, today, if we're talking about people that are older, our society seems to devalue the elderly. We, we throw them in nursing homes. Now they want to initiate... You know, uh, the suicide for them. They, you know, we, 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 we don't provide for the, for the elderly in this nation. You know, spent years ministering at the nursing home. It's a, people don't want to go to the nursing home. It smells bad. It's a sad place, isn't it? Who here just, oh yeah, we go to the nursing home every day. No, no, you only go to the nursing home if there's somebody there that's your family, maybe you want, and you don't go very much. It's just the truth. And yet, here's, here's 
Moses, 80 years old, and God says, it's now time for you to start your ministry. And I think, well, where we're at, if we're older, if we're younger, what's the ministry maybe God's called us to do? And I, you know, maybe when you're older, you're going to have more time. Maybe that's the time you need to reach out. And I've heard of college students needing a place to stay during the summer of, you know, maybe it's texting somebody on the phone. You know, well, why don't we do all these things? You know, I find that Sometimes when you get old, you, I always tease someone, ask me how I'm doing. I say, oh, my leg hurts, my back hurts, my arm. I sound like I'm in the nursing home. If you go to the nurse home, you ask them how they're doing. They want to tell you all their different ailments. <clears throat> and, and, and it's hard not to be self-absorbed with problems in our lives. But I believe that's the time God can even use us the greatest when we come out of ourselves. And maybe really, what is spiritual growth? What, I believe so much... Stunt takes place, stunt, you know, where we don't grow like we share in our life is because we're so self-absorbed that we don't reach out. We don't minister to others. We don't even think about others. We don't pray for others. We don't take the time to call them on the phone, to send them a letter, to send them a text, you know, to have a couple. I mean, it's just so many different things that can make a difference in somebody's life. That doesn't require that much of us. And maybe you do all those things, and I encourage you to keep doing all those things. And, but what is in your hand? What, what gifting has God given you that could be part of building his kingdom? Because God's given everybody a gifting. God has a rod in everyone's hand. No one's called to sit on a pew. No one's called to just... Now, let me, let me just say also that some people, they, they want to do everything. And maybe he hasn't called them to do everything either. Maybe he's called some other folks to do some of those things. But one is they have to do because they have to do everything because someone's not carrying their load. You learn real quick when you go out and you get a job that at least I have any. When I've gone out and worked, uh, me and one other person did most of the work while everybody else did nothing. And, and, and many times it doesn't change in the church. It doesn't change in the kingdom of God. And he says, what is in your hand? Maybe it's as simple as you see someone at the altar and God says, go pray for them. That means we're going to have to get out of our seat. Possibly maybe someone will see us. And we're going to have to pray for somebody at the altar. And, and maybe you don't have to even lay your hand. Just go stand behind them and pray as Pastor Lee's encouraged us over and over again. That is coming out of yourself and praying for somebody, caring about somebody. What is in your hand? Moses was selfish. His focus was upon himself when God first called him here. But as you see Moses' life for the next 40 years, he became the most meekest, selfless man that you can see in the Word of God. Why? What happened to him? What, what, what made the difference in his life? How could he? St- because he stopped focusing on himself, and he stepped out, and he used the rod that was in his hand. And the reason why I say maybe that he depended on this rod is because it says here in verse 2, it says that, and he said, a rod, what is in your hand is a rod, and he called it his rod. In verse 20, it says that Moses took the what? The rod of God in his hand. So at first it was his rod that he used for his own kingdom, for his own purposes, you know, raising the sheep, building his family. And now it becomes God's rod that he uses to build God's kingdom, to free the children of Israel from slavery, I'm going to say amen. It's good preaching this morning. Moses, so, so what happened here? They, they, so sometimes it's just doubt. God can't use me. 
Well, what happened to Moses when he threw that thing down and it became a snake? Who's scared of snakes? Who would have ran? <laughs> I grew up in Missouri, and we don't have alligators there, but there's, you know, when you're out in the country, there's just snakes everywhere. And then you got chickens. They're always in the chickens trying to get the eggs, and there's just snakes everywhere. Every, we go swimming. We had little swimming holes. We go in a swimming hole, and you start swimming, and here come the water snakes, and they swim. we get out of the water, let them cross, you know, and we get back in and swim. I know it's crazy. When you're a kid, you got to swim. It's so hot, and you got the water. You guys, back then, it was a big spring come up out of the ground. It was a big place. Spring water is like 50 degrees, you know. And in Missouri, it gets warm. It gets 95 degrees, and it's hot. So we're there swimming, and the snakes would come out. So many stories. I'd be walking along, and these snakes cross my path. I'd be digging in my, in my garage, and these snakes curled up there. There's just snakes everywhere. So every time I, when I'd walk through anywhere, I was always cautious of snakes. I don't like them. I remember I, when I had to do, work for a plumbing company for a while, and I, I was climbing around underneath the house, and there was a snake this long under there, and I gave him the right away. <laughs> and uh, there was another guy, a plumber. He grabs him by the tail, flips him out, and kills him. You know, he was a ranger. I was like, army ranger guy. I was like, yeah, man, go for it. Thank you. But, <clears throat> but I, I think <clears throat> I don't like snakes. But Moses said he fled. And so I think many times one thing that hinders us from doing what God calls us to do is fear. So here Moses, he was fearful of this. So God said, what's in your hand? He throw it down and he runs from it. Now, when, when God turns into the snake. And uh, so. So, he, but then he has to grab it by the tail. And I always, and I always think of my, my grandma. She lived to be 98 years old. She was like four foot ten, maybe weighed 80 pounds soaking wet. But she was just like this fearless lady. And she loved her chickens, and she'd go in there, and there'd be black snakes in there eating her eggs, and they'd be like five foot long, you know. And she'd reach in there, and she'd grab that snake by the tail, and she'd whip it around, you know. And I'd go, I'm not worthy, Grandma. I'm not worthy. And she'd kill that She hated those snakes, and she was fearless with them. And I, 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 when I think of Moses grabbing that thing by the tail, I could see my grandma grabbing that big monster by the tail. And I was, that takes courage, you know, especially if you're fleeing from this thing. So... God gave him some kind of extra strength. He, he obeyed, though, and he grabbed it, and it turned back into a rod. And, and listen, whatever God has in your hand, do not let fear keep you from doing what you're supposed to do. It may look like a snake, and God's going to turn it into a rod again for you. Some you know how to use it. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work in your life, but I always think fear is the devil's faith. It, it's the devil's faith. Faith in God, you allow faith control you or you allow fear to control you. Fear is a terrible, ugly, controlling thing. It hinders more people from even coming to the altar to worship because they're fearful. Keeps them from witnessing to people, to be in a light somewhere because they're fearful. I want to encourage you, fear not, God says, for I am with you. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, sound mind. Don't flee from the thing that God has called you to do. Maybe stir something in your heart. Don't flee from it. Grab it by the tail. And watch what God can do with it. So the rod, shepherd's rod, conveys the concept of authority, power, discipline, defense of the sheep. The staff and thy rod, they comfort me, it says in Psalm 23. The staff is a unique instrument used totally for the care and management of sheep. The symbol represents the, the concern and compassion that the shepherd has for his sheep. 
Some say the shepherd carried both. Some said he carried one. I'm not sure. The rod was used to fight off wild animals and to count the sheep and direct them. Um, so, so the rod, maybe we, we trust in the rod at times and God wants us to trust in him. Maybe trust in our own abilities, trust in our own giftings. But God has placed something in everyone's hand. Because that's what he does, amen? Do you think it shouldn't be natural for, for a Christian to witness? I mean, shouldn't it be natural for, for a Christian to witness? It says, what's Acts 1.8 says? It says, Terry, therefore, and you see power on high that, that she might be, what? My witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria, Galilee, and to the uttermost parts of the world. There's something about a Christian that has to witness. There's something that stirs in us that we have to be a light. And, and really, the, the rod may not be that of, of witnessing. But for Moses, this rod was used to do great miracles, wasn't it? He'd throw the rod down and it became all these things. He'd strike the water, become blood. He took this rod and, and, he, and he, he struck the water and the, the, the Red Sea parted. He struck the rock, which is a symbol of Christ, dying upon the cross. He, he struck the rock, the, the wood, the tree, and, 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 and it, gave, it brought forth water. This, this rod that was in his hand, God used tremendously for Moses. That's why he says it's God's rod. Listen, what you have is not yours. What you have is a gift from God. What he's given you is from God. Maybe you're a giver. Well, God wants your money, yes, but he wants something else as well. You're in a relationship. You know, when I married my wife, yeah, she gets the money, but she gets more, amen? We're in a relationship with Christ. He gets everything. And there's a rod he's placed in our hands. And he wants to do great things with that rod. You know, think of the talents. I think of the those he gave the talents to. He Fear, so he gave this one, he gave this different parts of the talent, one ten, one five, one one, and and they multiplied it to first two. The last one says, I knew that you were an austere man, reaping word that you don't sow. So I took your money and I, and I hid it, and he brought it back, and, 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 he, and he says, because I was fearful. That's what it says in that scripture, I was fearful. So what happened to this man that, this, that was fearful with talents and gifting God gave him? He buried it. He didn't use it. So what was the result? He took his one talent and he gave it to who? To those that already had. So there's something takes place when you begin to step out in faith and allow God to use you. He will multiply you. He will use you great. He will multiply those talents. You know, some people go, well, they got so many gifts. Yeah, because they were faithful to start with the one he gave them. So God, God, God give them more and he give them more gifts and he uses them more. I believe the church is stunned. Is, 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 their growth is, is not growing where it needs to be because they, they don't allow God to use them. And it doesn't have to be up here preaching. The greatest ministry is not most of the time from the pulpit. So what happened to the one talent? God said, take it for him. But then something else even worse than that happened. I know the scripture there. It says, cast him into everlasting punishment. What it says? Because he was unfaithful. Are you faithful today? Are we faithful today? 
Are we faithful with today? You know, I, for me personally, I, I, I allowed the doubt that I failed so many times God can't use me. I'm not fearful. I need a little fear sometimes, but I grew up, I, never, I don't have much fear of a lot of, about anything. Maybe I do. Everybody has fear of something. I'm not sure what it is, but I sure allow doubt and unbelief. Maybe yours is fear. Maybe yours is doubt. But this is a serious thing to, to allow either one of those things to keep us from being used of God, to keep us from using the rod that he's put in our hand. Fear shouldn't dict- dictate our lives. Doubt shouldn't, and, and pride shouldn't dictate our lives that we're going to be the next Billy Graham. And it doesn't matter if you're 18, if you're 60, if you're 40, whatever place you're at in this life, he has given you a rod. Moses, what is in your hand? I think he's asking that here today because he's saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our lives. This, this life is not our own. This kingdom is not our own. The Bible says that life is a breath. It's a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. The older I get, the more vapor I see. (laughs) The faster it goes. And I haven't quite made it to that 60 number yet, but I'm sure knocking at the door. And I I just thought, I want to take a moment. I don't know where where music is this morning. Thank you. I just want to take a moment here and want to make an altar up here, make an altar at your seat. I want us to seek God just just for a few minutes here. We got just a, we got a few minutes before ten today, and I I'd given this message to Joey, and it took me thirty minutes to explain. He goes, "Dad, you're not even preaching it," and so I tried to cut it back today because I know I don't always have as much time. But I I want you to seek God to show you show you what rod is in your hand. Maybe you already know. Maybe you're you know. For me, I think many times if there's a need, I think I've got to do it. Maybe that's not the rod that's in my hand. Maybe the, the rod he puts in your hand, first of all, is the giftings, but also he's going to speak to you. Maybe the rod is, is not as big as you think. Maybe it's taking care of, a, of, a, of an elderly family member and doing something else in, in the church, something small. Maybe reaching out and praying for somebody. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not. It's, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it's something big that God wants you to do. Maybe he wants you to be a missionary like, like Sister Dula Trahan, and, and, and he says, that's what's in your hand. What gift God had given her is that she spoke French. She spoke the Creole of French, not like necessarily doing Haiti, but it was an easy step for her to go from, from America, the very Cajun lady, her first language was, was that Creole's French, they're in the Cajun French, and, and so it was easy for her to go from that to speaking French in Haiti. Isn't that an amazing thing, what God, how God uses your life that way? And that's how he used her. She spoke, and she picked up that language real quick, because there's a few variations of the difference in the language she already spoke. And so perhaps the same is for you, and he will give you courage. And I find for me, even though I may have a gift in something, you know, I don't just necessarily run to it. You know, and I, you know, when I get up to preach, I love to preach, but I'm hesitant. I'm not, I'm not one that says, oh, I can't wait to preach. Hey, pastor, please let me preach. I just, that's just not me. I just, you know, I'm somewhat, I don't necessarily run to want to do it. I'm not going to jump right in and say, that's, that's the talent that, that I want to do. But I find it takes intentionality. I have to be intentional, even witnessing. I love to minister to people and I love to 
to find people that even when first time meet them, I want to give them the gospel. I want to reach out to them with Jesus. But it, it's not something that just easily flows and just simply jumps out of me. It's like, ooh, you know, I don't just drive down the highway and say, God says, pull off at the McDonald's, go in there, a guy with black hair, you're going to give him the gospel. No. It's not how it works for me. I have to be intentional. I, I'm somewhere, and, and I'm there, and, and this little thought comes to my head, Joe, you need to talk to him about the Lord. I'm like, Lord, how am I going to bring the conversation about you? What do I got to do here to make this happen? You have to be intentional. Well, I find that God gives us a gift, and you got to be intentional with it. Say, God, use me. Use me. I think of Isaiah. He saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and and, and, and the Lord said, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah said, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. That's where it starts. Lord, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Use me. Stand with me, please. Ask him to give you strength, to give you faith. You want to come to the altar. You want to pray where you're at. To give you courage and intentionality deliver you from self ask him to set you free from fear and doubt or pride ask you say lord give me more of you and less of me more of you and less of me and then when he does speak to you take action once he does these things and begin today